this activity, it, it does give you tough skin because you're going to get evaluated, critiqued all of the time. And all of that feedback, all of those results are not going to always be what you want, right? We're not going to win everything. We're not going to always shine. There's going to be people who disagree with our message or who don't like our message, but it teaches you resilience. It teaches you, you know what? I got to brush it off, work, 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 and go back and do it again. Welcome back to The Stage, the official performing arts podcast of the NFHS. I'm your host, Ken Burke, and our guest star today is Jamel Brown. Jamel is a high school speech and debate coach at Sumner Academy of Arts and Science in Kansas City, Kansas. And she has taught and inspired so many students uh, in her her years teaching. Uh, And I would be remiss if I didn't mention that Jamel won the 2022 NFHS Speech, Debate, and Theater Outstanding Educator Award for Section 5. And I know she's won so many different awards too, but I'll let her talk about that uh, in a little bit. But Jamel, I can't thank you enough for coming on today. How are you doing? I am doing very well. Thank you. Yeah, Jamel, I am so glad that you got to come on today. I know our conversation is going to be great. Uh, so as we jump uh, jump into our conversation today, I want to ask you our famous question that we ask right off the bat. As a child, what did you want to be when you grew up, and how did you get to where you are now? Great question. And it sounds like it's not real, but it's real. I honestly always wanted to be a teacher. So my mom was a teacher, and I was that kid and like the end of July, early August, I would get excited to go up to my mom's classroom and help her get set up for the upcoming school year. I was also that kid, yes, growing up, who wanted to play imaginary school with either my sisters, friends in the neighborhood, or if no one else wanted to play, at least my stuffed animals and dolls would play imaginary school with me. And so I honestly always wanted to be a teacher. This was a dream. And I feel like I'm living my dream. I love it. (laughs) Wow. Wow. That is that is so cool how that all it kind of went full circle throughout your life. Just did was there ever a time where you were like, nah, maybe I don't want to be a teacher. Maybe there's something else. Did anything else ever like, I don't know, persuade you to go a different career path? Honestly, no. I always thought if I'm not teaching or if I don't become a teacher, what would I do? And so I I really enjoyed theater and performing. So I was like, oh, well, maybe I'll become a professional actress. But, you know, I really wanted to teach. And so this has always been my honest dream. I love it every minute. It's a challenge. It's a career that allows a lot of flexibility in regards to every day literally can look different. And so I am always surprised. I am always like ready for the next challenge. I love it. I absolutely love it. Who inspired you to become a teacher? I I know you already, already or always had that. uh, You always wanted to be a teacher, but was it your mom being a teacher? Because I know you just mentioned that. Was it, who who were some motivating factors in that? My mom, yes, played a, a major role in that. But I had three amazing women who completely molded me and allowed me to fall in love with not just teaching, but the subject matters that I teach. When I went into high school, I had three amazing women, Miss Bond, who was my forensics coach, 
the late Diane McClure, who was my debate coach, and then Judith Jones, also known as Mama Jones, who was my theater director and theater teacher. And all three of those amazing women really showed me what good teaching looks like. They also showed me how this subject matter, the subject matter of teaching all three of those subjects can really allow a student to find their voice. And I found my voice literally in their three classrooms. And so I always tell people they were my true, true, true inspiration, along with my mother, of course. <laughs> How did you get your siblings to to play school? Because I, I know, I'm sure after like the thousandth time, they were just like, no, not today, Jamel. Come on. What are you? <laughs> <laughs> so true. So true. They got you know, tired of it pretty quick and it was old for them. My little sister would not ever cooperate, of course, the little sister and my older sister, she didn't want to have anything to do with it. And so I had to call up on some of my friends to, you know, at least entertain me for a little while by letting me make handmade worksheets and line you all up. I got really creative with it and I would ride my bike around the neighborhood pretending like I was picking up students first on my imaginary bus, make it back home, and blah, we're now at school. And so it was a lot of fun. I would also do plays for my family around the holidays, and I remember making programs <laughs> and making everyone come and sit down and watch whatever production I was trying to put on. And so I, I fell in love with not only teaching, but also like the performing arts before I even knew what it was. You know, and as a preschooler, I was pretending like I was putting on plays and, and giving speeches. It, it really honestly was my calling to do what I do today. That is the truth. <laughs> I'm sure working with, you know, different children, you're, when, when you were a child and your siblings, it, it, it taught you a lot about the fine line between being strict and having fun because you, you wanted them to have fun to stick around. Uh, how do you, as an educator, balance these things and make sure that your courses that you teach are both educational, but yet enjoyable because they're both really important when you're trying to educate and be an educator. Very true. Very true. And so, you know, I teach all elective classes and I always have to remember, you know, this is an option for kids to be here. And sometimes, of course, you know, they're, they're just kind of dropped into my class by, you know, accident or <laughs> This is the only class that was available for their schedule. And so I really try to allow every day in class to be enjoyable. But you're right. They need to learn. And I have, you know, standards that I have to follow in regards to the curriculum. And so I always try to make it connectable. And even if, you know, I have a student, for example, in one of my debate classes, they may not take debate ever again. They may just get their requirements done, go to their competitions. But at the end of the semester, I want them to see personal growth. I want them to say, okay, I now feel more confident getting in front of an audience and expressing a viewpoint. Or I now feel a little bit more organized when I am trying to ask for something. Whatever that little carrot is, I hope that they gain something. And yes, it's about having fun, but also learning and making it very connectable to their real life and to whatever their future looks like. And so that's a that's a balance that I truly try to, you know, to balance as far as having fun. And then also I want you to learn and I want you to grow. I want you to become a better, whatever that may be, a better speaker, a better leader. 
a better collaborator, whatever that skill set that you personally want to improve. I hope that happens when I have you in class. How do you encourage and why do you encourage people to participate in speech and debate? Because I know, uh, like you just said, it's an elective course. How do you get, how do you recruit people to the speech and debate team and in your classes? Well, here at, at my high school, speech and debate is, is kind of a big deal, you know, or, or at least we believe it is, right? <laughs> we believe it is. And so we, we have not just a competitive nature about the team, but also an opportunity for relationships, you know, very positive relationships to form. And, you know, the leaders of the team, the students who are, I call them the leadership board, it's all about not just the medal. We're not just chasing the medal or chasing the trophy. It's also about that relationship building. And so we try to make it fun, try to do um, different team bonding activities, try to allow students to see you know, public speaking is, for some people, they believe it's a soft skill. I think it's a hard skill. I think in order to, you know, excel in whatever your future may look like, if that's, you want to be an attorney, if you want to be a teacher, if you want to be a doctor, if you want to be a mechanic, whatever your future career is, the ability to express yourself is a skill set that goes across the board. Those communication skills are very vital to whatever your future is. And think about other classes that you're taking. The ability to flow during a debate round, that's also good note-taking in another course. Or the ability to look at your evidence and analyze what's like true facts versus someone's opinion, that's a skill set that is transferable in any other subject matter. And so I really try to allow students to see these are skills that you can take and move around in different areas. And of course, yes, I also want you to have fun and grow, but I also want you to see these are transferable skills. So as we, as we talk about speech and debate and how important it is to, to be involved, and I'm with you, I think it is a very, very crucial part of the education of a student because if you get if you get in the workforce, and I know I've said it on this podcast before, if you get in the workforce and you don't know how to communicate with people or getting get in front of your team and do a sales pitch, you're not going to really achieve a lot. What is the most important piece of speech and debate that you think students and not even just students, students and educators and administrators should learn from that from speech and debate and what it presents itself? I believe everyone has a story to tell. It could be based upon an experience that we went through, or it could be based upon a goal or a dream. But being able to have that platform in whatever event. So we know in speech and debate, there's a lot of different events. There's public speaking, there's acting, there's interpretation, all of these different events. And of course, debate. Students are given this platform and I always think about the idea that you have someone who has to listen to you if they agree, if they don't agree, if they're enjoying themselves or not enjoying themselves. You have anywhere between three to 10 minutes, depending on the event, to have a platform. What do you do with that time? What do you do with your platform? That's amazing. That's a gift. Like you have an opportunity to express yourself, to tell your story, 
to explain why something is or is not important to you, to take a character and make that character come to life. And so that opportunity allows students to utilize their God-given voice to express themselves. And I think that's the same thing that an athlete does. That's their platform on a field, on a court. Our platform happens to be in a competition round, in a classroom somewhere across the country every Friday and Saturday. But that opportunity to have someone listen to you, that's powerful. And outside of speech and debate, unless you are in a field that allows you to have that opportunity, that's very unique. And I think that's that's awesome. It's an awesome opportunity for kids. What was your favorite event when you were on a speech and debate team and then now as a teacher teaching it? Is it the same or is that different? You know what? I think it might be kind of the same. <laughs> so I started competing in high school and dramatic interpretation was always my favorite event. I also loved oration and I love pub. I, lo- I love all of the events, of course, and I also love policy debate. But I have to go with dramatic interpretation. And I, I think as a coach, I still love coaching dramatic interpretation. I love coaching all the events. But, you know, we all have our faves. So I, I have to go with DI, dramatic interpretation. It's that ability to take a story, to take a character, sometimes multiple characters, and make these people come to life. I think that's so great. I love it. Love it. Love it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I know watching them is, I, I, I was never on the speech and debate team in high school, but I know watching it, it looks like a blast. It looks so fun. And yeah, dramatic interpret is one of my favorites too, to watch. But while doing research on you, actually, I found that you're involved in the NSDA's Black Coaches Caucus and Women's Coaches Caucus. Uh, what is the most beneficial part of being a part of those groups? I love being a part of both of those groups. I, um, for the last couple of years, have been the chair for the Women's Coaches Caucus with a great friend of mine from Missouri, Kim Linger. And it's an opportunity, both caucuses, to network with other coaches who have similar identities or similar, you know, um, needs. And sometimes we don't have that platform within our local districts or within our local, you know, communities with other fellow coaches. You know, and a lot of us, we're it in our school. So I am my department, you know, at my high school. And then as far as the Black Coaches um, Caucus goes, I am kind of it in regards to being an African-American coach in this part of the state. For quite a while, I was the only one in my state. Now I have a great friend who is also um, coaching, but kind of on the other side of the state. So I don't get to see him very often. So having that networking opportunity is powerful. And for the Women's Coaches Caucus, we have concerns. We have issues that maybe we don't always feel comfortable discussing in other venues. And so it's it's really about the networking. And the NSDA is also trying to expand our coaches caucuses into student caucuses, which I am super excited about because it's the same kind of situation for students, not always having that outlet to have someone who maybe looks like them, who has the same concerns, same issues, to just have a chance. How can we help each other grow and get better? Mm. How, how do you see 
diversity, equity, and inclusion be being emphasized in the speech and debate community? Because I love that you brought up that for, for a while you were the only African-American coach in, in the state of Kansas. Like that is wild. And that, uh, that's great that you now have uh, somebody that you can relate to within your state. But how important is it or how can it be emphasized even more within the speech and debate community? Excellent question. I I love how DEI, diversity, equity, and inclusion has become a really important issue. And we don't want it just to become a, a talking point or, you know, here today, gone tomorrow. I also serve here at my high school. I co-facilitate our DEI council. And I believe it's all about making sure all of those voices are heard and acknowledged and celebrated. It's also about the celebration of diversity. And this activity, I think, is a perfect example of how we can take different voices, different individuals from different backgrounds, different identities, and how do we learn from each other? How do we not make some mistakes that have been made in the past? How do we grow? How do we see all of the diversity that we have in our country as a beautiful thing? For too long, we've heard too many negative, um, you know, things being said about this group or that group, or we we use it as a political way to, um, you know, put people down instead of celebrating our differences. I think it's all about the celebration and acknowledgement. You know what? I can learn from you. You can learn from me. It's a growth thing. It's a beautiful thing. I think that's what makes us who we are. Jamel, yeah, that's that's such a great point. And how important is it for you to connect with other people within your career career field uh, and other people that you know they say that share the same struggles as you they say share the same issues with maybe students not wanting to participate or you know in a specific event how do you, how do you find yourself connecting because you touched on that a little bit uh, with the groups that you're involved in but how do you see that throughout the country and how can you how can other teachers be better connected within their communities. That's great. That's great. I always kind of, several of us around here that I compete with every weekend, we sometimes tease that we see each other, even though we're in different buildings, we have better sometimes relationships with the fellow coaches that we get to see every weekend at competitions. than sometimes we do with our teachers that may teach right next door to us because we spend a lot of time together, just like we spend a lot of time, you know, at competitions with students. It, what we do goes beyond just a regular day. We have practices after school every day. Then we're at competitions on the weekend, traveling with students to national tournaments. All of those things are wonderful. But connecting with other individuals, even if their program looks different, it's all, again, about the growth. And I, I'm not there. <laughs> I'm not even close to being there. Like, if, if anyone feels as though they are there, they've made it or what have you, then it, it probably becomes a little boring because then what are you still striving for? Or, you know, what's what's the big goal at the end? And so I learn so much from my peers at conferences, um, watching their students perform, judging their students, reading ballots that other coaches write for my students. It is a constant growth because someone else's idea may not have ever, you know, come into my thoughts process. And so learning from each other is so important. And I love the networking with other coaches for that reason. 
And there are so many amazing coaches across the country that having those opportunities to learn from each other, connect with one another, what's working for you in your part of the country or in your state or in your school district could be something that I can grow from and vice versa. So I think that's a, another wonderful carrot about speech and debate is I think we learn from each other all the time. And I love that. Yeah. Yeah. That, that, that's such good advice. And as we start to wrap up today, I, I really wanted to ask you if a, if a parent's listening to this, if a student's listening to this, why should they get involved in speech and debate? And because we, we've gone over a lot today, we've gone over, it, it, it gets you ready for your career field. It, you know, you can do so much with it, but what's the one thing that you think sticks out more about speech debate than maybe some other activities that, that people can participate in in high school? That's awesome. Well, my daughter is um, currently competing in college and hoping to become a speech and debate teacher and coach in the future, which of course makes me very, very proud. But she was working on a paper for one of her classes and she asked me, so mom, it's asking me why I want to become a teacher. And I said, you know, that's a really good question. Like, I know people assume you want to become a teacher for this reason or that reason. And I asked her, I said, so why exactly do you want to teach? And why do you want to also teach speech and debate? And she said something that just has always kind of, for the last year, because it was last year during a class that she was taking, really resonate with me. You know, it's all about your own journey right, in life and your decisions that you get to make. And this activity, it, it does give you tough like skin because you're going to get evaluated, critiqued all of the time, and all of that feedback, all of those results are not going to always be what you want, right? We're not going to win everything. We're not going to always you know, shine. There's going to be people who disagree with our message or who don't like our message, but it teaches you resilience. It teaches you, you know what? I got to brush it off, work, 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 and go back and do it again. And that is a true life skill. Yes, indeed. You're going to learn how to research. You're going to learn how to act. You're going to learn how to, you know, use your public speaking skills. But the ability, oh my gosh, you mean I have to go back in there and do it again, even though last week they didn't like it or the round that I just came out of was a flop. I got to go do it again. You have to go do it again. And boy, if that doesn't teach you stamina, resilience, the power of, you know what? You have a message that you need to share despite how it's sometimes taken. That's that's a life skill that I I live by <laughs> and I think is a powerful one. Yeah, that is powerful. Holy cow. Last question I had for you today. What what was your favorite activity in high school? And I, I I'm probably already know this, but <laughs> and how formative was that for you now? Because as a speech and debate coach, was there another activity that you liked more than speech and debate in high school? I loved speech and debate in high school. I really, really did. But you know, I also loved theater. And it was theater that allowed me to get through college. I was on a theater scholarship and was able to do lots and lots of productions in both high school and 
college. And so, you know, what what do I like better, theater or speech and debate? Ah, that's like asking, you know, a parent, which child do you like better? But um, I, I, all three of those activities really molded who I am and allowed me to, you know, kind of grow and mature and figure out who I wanted to be. And I know it sounds like a cliche, but find my voice. And so those were my three. And I live by that, like competitive speech and debate and theater really molded who I am. And so I'm always thrilled and I love and and always excited to work with kids who enjoy those events as well. I'll work with any kid, of course, (laughs) but special place in my heart for those three things. Uh, Jamel, I, I know you have such a busy schedule as a teacher and a coach, so it really does mean a lot that you join me today. Any last thoughts before we wrap up today? Thank you so much for having me. I love that you are talking to people about this activity because this activity is so important for so many people. And so I appreciate you and thank you for asking me to be here. And you know what, for all those folks listening out there, if you possibly have a a student yourself or a child, or you are thinking about why would I want to get involved in speech and debate, I really hope that you, you know, look into it and think about it and think about how this activity can really help shape your future, whatever that future may look like. So thank you. I appreciate your time. Absolutely. That was great word, Jamel. Well, for the listeners out there, as always, please remember to leave a rating and review on the podcast. It really helps us out. And to share it, even if you share it with one teacher, one coach, one administrator, or student, it will go such a long way for us. Thank you so much for listening, and I hope to catch you next time on the stage. <laughs>